I made my order, I made it up to the drive-thru window, and I go to um, give the cashier my money, and the cashier says, hey, the person in front of you paid for your coffee, it, it, it was on them, and I was thinking, wow, that's awesome, and I had, you know, my $1.95 in my hand that I was planning on spending for my my co- See, it's only $1.95 if you only buy regular coffee, by the way. And I, I had that in my hand, so I said, well, hey, just put it on the tab, you know, or, or help pay on the bill of the person behind me. And I covered that. And, and as I left that drive-thru, I remember my entire outlook changed that day. Because, you know, I was kind of grumpy. It was the morning. I was tired. And, but yet, someone in front of me, someone I don't know, I have no clue who the car was. I have no clue who the individual was. I never saw them. Never maybe will see them again. They decided to do something nice. And they paid for the cup of coffee of a person behind them in line that they, too, have never met. And and I tried to reciprocate by paying for the, you know, the bill of the person behind me, too. And and it changed my outlook. It made me happy. I remember leaving the drive-thru thinking, hey, the world's not such a bad place after all, right? I mean, it's not so horrible, you know. And and I had a whole different outlook on the morning just because of the $1.95 generosity of a random person in the drive-thru there. In front of me, but I think all of us would attest to the fact that when you have engaged in generous behavior, or someone you know does something generous towards you, it changes your outlook, it changes your demeanor. I came across an article actually; it was a 2013 study about generosity, and from a medical standpoint, they concluded that generous people have a higher life expectancy. Yeah, if you're generous, you're most likely going to live longer. I mean, it does good things for your brain. And here's what their study said. They said generosity and compassion have been a focal point of research for decades. And studies have consistently shown that improved mood, better physical health, and increased longevity are connected to giving. Whether it is monetary donations or volunteer hours invested on the weekend when it comes to your health, it is truly better to give than to receive. And they go on. They said philanthropy doles out several different happiness chemicals. So apparently it's like a drug to be generous. It said it includes dopamine, endorphins, which give people a sense of euphoria, and oxytocin, which is associated with tranquility, serenity, and inner peace. Not bad, right? That sounds pretty good. And we all knew this all along. We knew it was better to give than to receive and all of that. We know that that generosity is good for you. But, hey, even medical science is catching up and saying, you give, you're generous, it's good for you and your health. But, I mean, you think biblically, too, we all understand as Christians that giving is also a faith builder. It does something for you, spiritually speaking. Yeah, there's a, maybe a, a medical benefit to generosity, according to that study. But even more than that, there's a spiritual benefit to being people that are generous. It is going to help, it is going to improve your spiritual life. So we introduced a new theme this last week for the year. And the theme was more like Jesus, about in everything that we need to do, or everything we do, we need to be more like Jesus. Well, this morning, and I'm sure you know where we're going with this, we're going to talk about how generosity, how giving makes us more like our Lord. That's what we want to be. We want to be like Jesus. And even people that aren't Christians will agree that, hey, if everybody's like Jesus, the world's going to be a better place. Well, giving, generosity, makes us more like Jesus. And when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life was replete with examples of him helping people about him being generous. You have him feeding massive groups of people, like the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. You have groups of people that are around him. They are hungry. He takes time out of his schedule, out of his day, to make sure they're fed. That's generosity. 
God forgive them. Jesus healed people. People that were sick, people that had all these different diseases and birth defects and things. Jesus would go to them and heal them, and they would come to him, and he would heal them. And sometimes you have millions of people, multitudes of people being brought to Jesus, and healings were happening. That's giving. That's generosity. Jesus casted out demons. We know in the first century that was something they were dealing with there. And he asked them, what's the gift? He was generous. But most of all, I don't know if you're aware, he healed himself. Left heaven, left those divine privileges, laid them aside, came to earth in the form of a human, took on the form of bondservant, Philippians chapter 2, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that we wouldn't have to die spiritually, that we can go on to spend eternity with God. He gave himself. Jesus is the ultimate example of generosity. Jesus practiced generosity in every aspect of his life. But not only did he practice generosity, it says more than that. He didn't just show us how to be generous. He also told us to be generous. In fact, if you start looking at all the different teachings of Jesus, teachings regarding generosity and money are almost like number one on a lot of lists. He dealt with this topic quite a bit. And it's important for us to focus on the commands of Jesus. I know sometimes we kind of skip over them. We like the stories, stories, we like the narrative, we like the interactions. But if Jesus spends a lot of time commanding generosity, we should focus on that. Because in John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my word has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Jesus says, listen, we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we do what Jesus says. Jesus not only practiced generosity, Jesus also commanded generosity. So this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to look at some passages only in the book of Matthew. This shows how much Jesus talked about this in just the book of Matthew. This is just a few examples in the book of Matthew where generosity is commanded and expected from followers of Jesus. And we'll make some practical application with this on the end and how we can put this into practice in our daily life. Let's look at a few of these passages. Matthew chapter 5. And in verse 42, now Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It is a sermon in which Jesus is talking about that our righteousness needs to be greater than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. We need to be better than them. Now, not just talking about physically speaking, but our, our attitude and, and so on. But in Matthew chapter 5, and in verse 42, let's back up just a second. Let's back up to verse 41. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now he's talking about don't seek out retribution. There is a common attitude in the day that says, you know, well, you hurt me, I hurt you. You hit me right over the eye. He says, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Think about that for a minute and kind of where it's inviting you. Like if you want to sue me and say, Mr. Hurt, I'm not going to sue. Not because I'm Mr. Hurt, but yeah, I am. He says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And then right after that, he says, you shall, heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Then he goes on and says, love everybody, right? It goes through what Jesus says. The idea is though, our attitude, our mindset about possessions, our mindset about inconvenience, our mindset about money is different. And if there's an opportunity to even step out there and do more than what is expected of us, we're going to do that. That, that 
about going the extra mile. It comes from this right here. It was legal under the law for a soldier of the Roman Empire to make a citizen, I understand, if I understand correctly, carry his armor or his badge. So if you're outside, you know, um, planting flowers in your front yard, and a Roman centurion walks by, he can say, you peasant, carry my badge. And you were legally required to carry the badge of citizen just to keep you modern business and honor. Okay? You were legally required to carry that badge of honor. Well, most people, when they got to that last mile, would drop that badge and go, all right, I'm done. What if he told that soldier, hey, let me carry another two of your badge next time? Imagine the impact, right? That's what he's talking about here. Uh, he's talking about having an attitude of generosity. He goes on in the same sermon. Look at chapter 6, verse 2. He says, so when you give, look, it's assumed that we're going to be giving. It's not if you give. It's not if you feel like giving. It's when you give. It's assumed that you're going to be giving. When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you in the, um, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by them. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. Don't be showy with your giving. Don't say, look at me, look at how holy I am. You'll legitimately see, he says. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The whole idea is don't just give for your own, you know, benefit of the sense of putting a feather in your cap or some people I've heard over this. Give because it's the right thing to do. Let's go on. Matthew chapter 10. Again, we're just looking at a few passages here in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10 in verse, uh, let's start in verse 40. It says, he who receives you, Jesus is talking to his disciples about how other people are going to help support their ministry. That when you have a need, the brethren are going to step up and take care of it. He says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Isn't this kind of the equivalent of you have a traveling missionary and the missionary needs room and board for a little while, right? He's doing the Lord's work. He says, step up and help him. If he's a prophet and you're helping the prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. Same kind of reward here. Then in verse 42, he says, And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Generosity. Someone needs a drink, you step up and give them that drink in that moment. Something trivial in our ministries, right? That you're having an impact and going to be rewarded for it, Jesus says. Let's look at one more passage, Matthew chapter 25. And this is toward the end of Jesus' life here on earth, and this is as he's getting to a discussion more about judgment, and judgment day, I mean. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, talking about judgment day when the goats and the sheep will be separated, he says, and here's what he says in verse 34. The king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Unclothed and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, the disciples kind of get confused. They're like, well, we never saw you in prison, Jesus. We never saw you without clothes. When did we do this to you? Verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, 
to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it also to me. Just in a, a few passages of scripture here, in the book of Matthew, we see generosity, generosity, giving, 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 and then time after time again. These aren't even our normal go-to verses about generosity. These aren't the normal giving sermon verses. This is just something we'll get in the book of Matthew. Think about how much Jesus talked about giving. So then the application to us is this. If we're going to be more like Jesus, Jesus practically commanded generosity. If we're going to claim to be a follower of Christ, we better be generous. We need to be characterized as being generous people. Not stingy, not a bunch of old Scrooges that don't want to give to anyone else. Being like Jesus means being a giver. It's good for your health, but it's even more importantly good for your spirit. So how can we do that then? What I thought what we would do for the second half of our lesson this morning is talk about some practical tips for giving. What are some practical ways that we can be better givers? Well, first off, it is biblical, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, to plan and prepare to give. The Apostle Paul there in his letter to the Corinthians talks about that each one must give as he has purposed or as he has planned in his heart to give, not out of being out of grudgingly or not out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The whole idea is we need to be a people that plan on giving. We need to be people that it's intentional. We plan on being generous because Jesus was generous and we want to be like Jesus. So here's some ways we can do that. Number one, budget. Budget. Plan on giving. Plan ahead on where your income will be going. And that's biblical, by the way. The book of Proverbs talks about planning for the future, talks about budgeting, talks about saving. So it's biblical to, to plan and have a budget. But it's also biblical, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, to plan and have a plan intentionally for giving. If we're going to be generous, let's, let's take it seriously. Let's not just be haphazard with it. Well, I guess i got to be generous. I'm a Christian. No, intentionally be generous. How do you do that? Well, maybe you designate, and I recommend you do this, designate a minimum amount that, that you plan on giving every month. Say, okay, out of my monthly budget of how much money is coming in, I'm going to set aside right off the top here before I even pay any other bill this amount of money that I'm going to give. I think that's a good thing to do. Designate it, plan it, set it up. Have a, a set amount that you give in a regular contribution to the church. That's biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 talks about them taking up a, a, a contribution there in, in Corinth to help out needy saints and so on. It's biblical to give in the church. Set up an amount to do that. But I wanted to not just talk about that, though, this morning, because most sermons about giving have that tendency to only talk about the collection plate on Sunday. Our generosity needs to be so much bigger than that. If that's the only place you're being generous is on Sunday, you're missing out. You're missing out on what it really means to be more like Jesus. It's not just, well, I give on Sunday and however the, the elders and decide to give out the funds, that's on them. I've done my part. No, it's so much bigger than that. Yes, set aside a, an amount of money for regular contribution. And I say set aside a percentage. And you know what? Work toward beating that percentage too. Don't just make it, well, haphazard. Well, what's left in my wallet after I've done everything this week? You know, what am I going to give? No, have a plan and be intentional with it. But more than that, though, also set aside a percentage of money out of your income for giving outside the church, too. There's a lot of other good works and things and people that have needs 
What if you said, okay, I'm going to give 10% of my income to the church every Sunday, but I'm also going to set aside maybe an extra 2% here to give throughout my life when I see need. And you know, and kind of I put up there an FYI to make it easier. We have such great technology in our world today. You can automate most of this too. I personally, I don't write checks anymore. I mean, it's, I think I, we write one to Norma for Avon. I think that's about the only check that we ever write, okay? Beyond that, everything's digital. My bank, I have it set up with them where I go online and I set up automatic check writing. It's free, by the way. I don't know if your bank makes it free, but my bank does have it free. And they mail a check to the church every week. And not only that, they also mail checks to the different things that we support in our family. In our household, we support uh, a few preaching students that are at Bible colleges. Um, there's a, an organization that we support that provides counsel to, to women that are pregnant, like single moms and things like that. We, we send them money. You know, it's automated. I don't even have to think about it. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about it, but I don't forget about it that way. Automate it. Make it easy. But that's another way to be generous. But also, though, more than that, in your life, regularly set aside funds for spontaneous giving, too. I don't know what that person in front of the line at me at Starbucks was thinking that morning. I don't know if, if they had uh, a set-aside budget that every week they spend this much on coffee for people. I don't know. But maybe they just thought that morning to do something nice, and they said, hey, I want to buy the guy behind me that looks kind of grumpy a cup of coffee. Don't know. It was spontaneous. I don't know how it came about, but I'd like to do things like that too. What if we all did that? Set aside money, you know, for spontaneous giving opportunities. Where, hey, you thought, you know what? You look like you can use five bucks. Here you go. You look like you can use a sandwich at Subway. Here you go. You look like you could use a tank of gas. Here you go. What if we did that? Set aside money for that. So, yeah, it's planned, but it's also still spontaneous where you have an opportunity to give. Also, sacrifice so you're, you can increase your giving. Sit down with your family. What if you talk to your kid and say, okay, kid, when we go out to eat after church on Sunday, let's say we go to Del Taco, it probably costs us, I can feed my whole family at Del Taco, by the way, for $13.47. Ask me how, it's pretty awesome. So I tell my kids, okay, kids, this Sunday we're going to eat at home, and that $13.47 that we usually spend at Del Taco, we're going to give it to someone else. We made a sacrifice to help someone else out. Make it a game, make it a group activity, make it something you do with your spouse. Plan to sacrifice something so you can help out other people. And as you give, reevaluate the amount that you're giving and where the funds have been going. Don't just say, well, I've always just supported these three things. Maybe there's three things that are better that you could support. Maybe there's three works that you're more passionate about that you can give to. Maybe there's other people here that you can add to your giving. Reevaluate it. Think about it. Discuss your generosity with your family. It should be a family activity. Plan. Pray about it. You know, a lot of times we'll pray about the different works that we support. I know that we get in the mail, you know, updates from some different organizations and things that, that our family has given to over time. And I know Zinni a lot of times will show the children, hey, look, here's what the orphans in Africa have. Here's what you have. Let's pray about them. You know, I mean, we do that kind of stuff because it helps you think. It keeps it at the forefront of your mind. Going on the other way that we can be generous. Look for ways to be hands-on with your generosity. More than just writing a check. Get out there. And I don't know what work it is, what works you're passionate about, but find ways to be hands-on with your generosity. Actually doing something physically, I think, helps you mentally and spiritually. Also, be passionate about the works that you're giving to. Don't just give because 
well, you feel like you have to. Give because you believe in it. We give here on Sunday because I believe in the work of the West Side Church of Christ. I believe in the work that we're doing. And the various works that my family sends money to, it's their works that we believe in. The moment I stop believing in them, I'm going to stop sending them funds. But the works that I do believe in, I'm passionate about them. I might share links to those works on Facebook. I might, you know, retweet something that they put out. I might, you know, talk about them to other people because something that I believe in. Commit yourself to the cause and think outside the box. Get creative with ways to help others. Makes it more fun. Giving's fun. Don't just make it something grudgingly, well, I wrote a check. No. Giving can be fun. You, and we all understand it's more blessed to give than receive. We know the joy of giving a gift to somebody. Make it fun. Have fun with it. And then finally, I put on here this because I think sometimes we forget about kind of the, our giving and maybe we, we get confused a little bit on the purpose. I know that we need to be evangelistic. I know that the goal is to bring souls to heaven. But by just being nice to people, by being generous, you will have more opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. So here's what I mean by that. Do nice things for people just to be nice. Sometimes we can have too much of an ulterior motive. I'm going to be good and help you out because I'm hoping then you'll listen to me. Be careful with that mentality. That turns people off. Be nice to people just for the sake of being nice. Be more like Jesus. Look for opportunities to give. Look for opportunities to be generous in the church, outside of the church, through monthly giving, through spontaneous giving. Let's be generous like Jesus. You're going to have lots of opportunities this week to be generous. Use them. Utilize those opportunities. You'll feel better. It'll change your outlook on that day, and it'll change maybe the attitude of the person you're giving to. You don't know what they're going through. You know, you might think that, well, I'm just buying someone a cup of coffee. You don't know that right now that person might be super depressed, and just the fact that you were generous to them totally changed your mindset. You might think it's just, oh, it's something trivial, paying for the meal of somebody at a restaurant. You don't know that maybe this was the, you know, they just had a death in their family and they really needed care and love at that time. You offered to help someone out with groceries. You don't know that maybe they were worried about that week, how they were going to put food on the table. God puts us in all sorts of situations. God opens up so many doors in our lives, but yet so often we just don't take advantage of those. Let God use you. Look for opportunities to be generous. Be more like Jesus. The lesson is yours this morning. We're here to help you. We're here to help you be more like Christ. If you want to get plugged into a Bible study, if you need the prayers of this church, if you're ready to commit your life to Christ through baptism, we can help you today. Why don't you come forward as together we stand and as we sing.